0: Welcome back to the Investing on the Go podcast brought to you by Funcaliber. Today's interview combines contrarian thinking with a focus on long-term investment trends within the UK market.
1: I'm Joss Murphy. Today, I've been joined by Alessandro Dicarado, manager of the 91 UK Special Situations Fund. Hi, Alessandro. How are you? Uh, I'm good, Joss. Thanks so much for uh, having me. Let's start with the UK stock market. It's been a, a bit up and down this year. Is it being driven purely by sentiment or UK companies struggling generally?
2: Uh, it's always hard to know exactly what markets are being driven in, but, by, but clearly sentiment isn't great um, for the UK. Interest rates are uh, risen a lot and potentially are going rise, to rise, rise a lot more um, or a bit more. Um, and I think there are generally lots of fears around the impact of that on the on the economy. Um Potential recession, depth of it, um, but I mean, fun, this is not something we we pay attention to. It, but it's not something we base our investment um, our investments on. We uh, we really just use the environment to try and find opportunities. And in this case, what's ha- happening is that because of the fear around recessions and around how bad things are going to be, a lot of economically sensitive companies in the UK are priced for uh, well, like they're going out of business. Really, so uh, that's that's what makes it interesting for us.
1: Mm, certainly, um, and and you look for correct me if I'm wrong um, stocks where the share price has fallen and potentially unloved stocks as well. Are you seeing a plethora of opportunities today?
2: Then uh, we look for fundamentally, we look for the the biggest discount to what we call fair value that we can find. Now, what that happens uh, that often happens with stocks for which the share price has fallen, but it could be a situation in which the share price hasn't done anything but the business has grown really we're looking for a disconnect between the price and the and the our assessment of what the, the real fair value of the company is um and um, either way yes we are getting a lot of opportunities in the in the UK I think from any quantitative metric that you, you look at the UK market uh, appears to be among the cheapest around and not only because you've got some big uh, resource stocks like the oil majors and miners and banks but also if you exclude those the the um, the, the mid caps uh small mid caps in the UK of you know, look look on look look cheap in a both in a historic context and in a global context and uh, for us it's it's very interesting to be running a UK strategy at a time like this um and uh we're we're we really have more ideas than we know what to do with, which is a nice, a nice situation to be in because then you get to pick the best ones.
1: Yeah, that certainly makes sense. Um, And and lots of funds are all about ESG at the moment, at least for for the last couple of years, Um, you know, picking companies, helping society. Your top 10 is full of what we'd call sin stocks, tobacco companies, oil and gas, the world's second largest producer of sugar. Why then? Simply because no one wants them. The
2: uh, well, the, the definition of sin stock is, a, is an interesting one because um, we, we find that people apply that judgment a little bit too quickly. And all you have to ask yourself is basically what would happen if we stopped all oil and gas production today, for example, or um, we stopped uh, all air travel today, um, and um, the 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 key here, we think, is to think about these stocks as being in a transition that's going to last some decades, rather than hoping that today we live in a world that we actually want to live in. Live in, in twenty fifty, for example. Um, and we think people are 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 forgetting about this transition aspect of things, and they're really they, they try and construct portfolio as if we were already in the world in twenty fifty, and 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 we don't think that's a a realistic way to. To be, um, you could make. We don't own really any materials companies, but you definitely made the same arguments about uh, materials mining, cement, all those things that that clearly are high emitters. Um, you know, try imagine a world without cement. So um, it's it's a it's a it's a difficult mental gymnastics, if you want to to, to reconcile the fact that yes, uh, these companies are high emitters or um, are difficult to, de- to decarbonize. But at the same time we need them for now and if we need them for now it's hard to call them unethical which means why not invest in them um especially when they're cheap because what you're getting what you're getting is a situation in which everybody wants to look good and these stocks are currently um, priced uh, as if no one wants them and you get you get an attractive price when that sort of situation uh, happens
1: in, in, in a way could you say that you know, helping these these companies transition into being more ESG, it, it is actually more ESG than some of these kind of pure play ESG companies.
2: Well, I, I do think that, but uh, I'm glad that you said it because <laughs> coming for me sounds a bit salesy. But I, I I think that's right. I think that's right. I think that's a good yeah. point. I think taking on I think if you want to if you want to really um, make a difference, you have to take on the hard problems. It doesn't you know it, it's 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 too easy to to just uh, take on the easy ones.
1: You mentioned we're not in 2050 yet. Does this mean you see a portfolio changing and evolving over time as the world changes and potentially SIN stocks will will be faded out of the portfolio in this period?
2: So hypothetically, if you were to, let's say, not touch our portfolio from today until 2050, we, would expect most of our today's, of today's sin stocks to have largely become much less sinful. Um, it's hard to say completely zero because, for example, how do you find a, a substitute for plastic? Um, obviously plastic needs oil as a, as a feedstock, but I, I would expect our companies to have done something about that as well. So, for example, you can attach carbon capture, uh, facilities to, uh, the, the plants that make plastic so that, okay, you're technically still emitting uh, emissions by you're capturing them and not emitting into the atmosphere. You're capturing them and storing them in the ground. So I would expect mitigation actions like that. And and would
1: you be working at kind of kind of shareholder meetings to you know help provide these these companies with with guidelines to to make sure that they are second to
2: commitments on, on the ESG front? Or how does that work? Uh, yes, I mean sometimes we tend to invest in the ones that are already pretty advanced or that already have a decent strategy, we think it's quite hard as a shareholder to um completely change the strategy of a company. Mm-hmm. And we we've done it in the past, but I can count it on the fingers of one hand, in which we think we've maybe made a tiny bit of difference in the so I really what we do is we we invest in companies that already get it. And the good thing in the current market is that the companies that already get it are priced uh basically the same as the companies that get it. (laughs) And so uh, you're really paying a very small premium for this. Mm. So yes, if you if you if you if you if you were not to touch the portfolio from today until 2050, I would imagine it to have largely sorted itself out. Um, But that's because we buy companies that we think already have a good ESG strategy um, rather than relying on us doing something about it. And the problem if you rely on you doing something about it is that you really need to be very, very active. And often you're also dealing with if a company hasn't done anything about this theme so far, first they must—they might be too late, and secondly, you might be dealing with a very um, stubborn management team or something. It'd be a difficult challenge to take on.
1: Uh, and while the rest of the world, Alessandra, is, is focused on Tesla, your largest holding is is Rolls Royce. What, what's the rationale here?
2: Um, the, I mean, the, the holding is that large because it's done very well. Um, but it was—it was a, a large holding to start with and um if you if you think about if you if you accept that air travel is a thing and that we're going to have it for some time to, to come then that problem of the emissions generated by air travel is going to be uh solved by companies like rolls royce and a couple of peers there's g in the us and Safran in france and a couple of other businesses that make um, jet engines and it's it's the only way that these companies become irrelevant is if you say well actually let's stop all all air travel we did that during covid and i think um a lot of people were well i don't think anyone is happy about that Mm -hmm. so um i think you have to accept that that you need to decarbonize this industry and the people are going to do it are people like rolls royce now because if you buy rolls royce it increases your carbon emissions in the portfolio we think that that's one of the reasons why the stock was cheap in the first place it's a very or should be a very high quality company. The last five or six years the company has um has had plenty of problems. And so we think that quality has been um hard to find or hard to see in an obvious way. But it it is starting to show and uh, the market slowly realizing its value. And what you think of, if you think about what you've got here in terms of potential is, uh, is an is annuity business because these jet engines they fly for 20, 30 years and you get you get paid by the the hour of flight. Um, super predictable, very hard to disrupt. It's very hard to make a gent engine from scratch. The virus gentries are incredibly high and um, and you can buy it for you know just over 10 times free cash flow. Um, and uh, it's it's hard if you think about if, it, if, if this were making shampoo or or if it were making um, I don't know some other consumer staple, the rating would be much, much higher. And so we think it's just a good opportunity. And again, we don't see any problem with this business as long as it's doing the right things in terms of trying to decarbonize.
1: To add a bit of balance, you do have some good stocks too. Vitesco Technologies, for example, which is looking at electrification technologies for vehicles. Could you tell us more about that?
2: Yeah, well actually, so I'm glad you bring that up because Vitesco is a company that that would have been seen maybe six or seven years ago a bit like Rolls today, which this was a company that was making injectors for for gasoline engines, uh, except that uh, it was part of Continental at the time. So it wasn't an independent business. You couldn't have actually bought the shares. But imagine that it had been an independent company. Um, you you this was was making injectors for internal combustion engines and actuators for internal combustion engines and things like that. But it had a very, very strong R&D program in terms of electrification and hybrid vehicles and um obviously contributing virtually no revenues because six or seven years ago, there were virtually no electric cars being sold. And so if you if you looked at it purely on a revenue basis, you would have said, well, this is in turn, in, entirely dependent on internal combustion engine. But really the crux was that these guys were were investing for the future. Um, and today, fast forward five years, six years to today, uh, these are uh, Vitesco and, and another American company called Warner are basically the two leaders in um, providing... Uh, electrification solutions to cars they still do the internal combustion stuff um but that's going to naturally decline as people buy fewer and fewer electric um, internal combustion engine vehicles and the electrification uh products are going to take over the the company it's exactly the type of situation that we think is 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 worth exploiting because the market doesn't price these things in until they they become obvious so if you get involved a little bit earlier uh then you can catch these big Electrification trends of these big future trends, but you have to get early enough. If you wait for everybody to know this, then the price is going to reflect that.
1: Do you have any other auto suppliers? And it, it seems like a, a SEC you're you're quite bullish on. It.
2: Is this the, is this true? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is true. We have uh, well, Vitesco is one of them. We have uh, we have three others. Um, one of which is in in germany continental one of which is in uh the us borg warner i mentioned it i think when we were talking about tesco and then we have a uk based one which is um which is uh, ti fluid systems um and plus we have a, a small position in a business called dale which is the which is a, a spin-off from from melrose and for people who have been around a while this was the old gkn uh, automotive business um the interesting thing about all of these companies is that... Well, actually, the interesting thing about the supplier auto supplier space in the last few years is that if you think about COVID, you had a a um, chip shortage, which meant that fewer cars were getting produced, about 20% fewer cars than in a normal year. This impacts auto suppliers enormously because auto suppliers make money on volume and uh, not necessarily on the end price of the car. It's been well-advertised at prices for end cars, for cars have, have gone up in the last few years. But all of that margin is kept by the manufacturer. The auto suppliers have uh, fixed price contracts, and they make money on volume. And so their volumes were 20% lower than in a normal year, which meant that many of them were making very little money. They were operating at break even or, or barely profitable. Um, so the market really, really punished them. And of course, at the same time, you have this overhang of the internal combustion engine probably disappearing over some uncertain, but period of time um and generally it was easy not to not to touch them now the the interesting thing about that situation is you 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 had companies with very little debt very little leverage so they were making no money but it wasn't a, a solvency problem it was just a, a question of when they would make more money and if you imagined a normal year where auto production resumed to normal levels then you could also calculate how much money they would make and you could buy basically um basically the entire auto supply sector i'm 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 generalizing but basically you could buy most auto suppliers for five or six times normal earnings now the trick was that there were a lot of auto suppliers that were very dependent on the internal combustion engine and so maybe deserved to trade on six times earnings because if you're In a declining business that's that's basic more or less the multiple that you you deserve um but the market was not differentiating between the suppliers that were going to decline and the ones that were well positioned to take advantage of electrification and so um that's that's when we took our big bet on auto suppliers we think it still it has played out a little bit or we think it still has a lot more to play out um particularly once the market realizes that a lot of these companies. Are going to make the same amount of money that they used to make with internal combustion engine with electrified electrified products. So we think it's a, it's an interesting place to be.
1: Alessandro, you mentioned the theme of electrification. Do you look at long term themes when constructing a portfolio, such as decarbonization or globalisation, or is it purely a bottom up stock selection process? Uh, I think if you
2: if you take it back to what kind of stock we look for, um, that, which just to repeat it, it's one it's one where the current price doesn't reflect doesn't reflect the, the true future value of the business. You want to keep you want to keep abreast of all the main themes that that influence current society. So electrification is one of them. AI is obviously another one. Um the whole debate around microchips is something you want to you want to be on top of renewables generally you want to be on top of that. I think the problem with um and these are all very relevant themes. I think the problem with I'm going to say most investors, is that once these themes become hotly debated and very well advertised, then there's this feeling that creeps in that, oh, I've got to be involved in this. Uh, the problem being that when everybody's talking about it, uh, the opportunity is largely gone. Um, so mm-hmm. the way we, we use these themes is that we keep on top of them. We research a lot of them. Um, But we don't necessarily do anything about it until an opportunity happens to intersect with one of these themes. So in the case of auto suppliers, at the moment, you've got a situation in which, um, well, if really during COVID, you had a situation in which the entire auto supply space was heavily, heavily discounted. And there you could pick the ones that were exposed to most, most exposed to electrification themes that are going to be the winner in the long term. But They were priced as if. Um, they were going to go the way of uh, of, uh, of of the internal combustion engine, which you know, potentially is going to go, uh, is going to disappear over the next 20, 30 years. And, um, but I think you need to wait for the opportunity to present itself, an opportunity that, that intersects with one of these themes. And then you know that you're buying something that isn't just, a li- you're not buying it just for a little pop uh, because, you know, maybe, you know, they pay a big dividend or they do a little corporate engineering or something. You're actually buying it for, for strong, long-term fundamental growth reasons but you're paying a price that uh that is a value price you know uh, generally less than 10 times earnings um so that's 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 the way we use these big th- big themes we, we really keep on top of them but but don't necessarily do anything about them at the at the moment for example in AI today it's a very very interesting very interesting theme but everybody's talking about it and where where's the opportunity gonna be well it's um it's uh it's hard to uh you know, it's hard to it's hard to find the discounted AI AI stock. One yeah. of the things we did with um, with the uh, I'm going to go slightly in a different direction now, but one of the things we did uh, last year or 18 months ago um, on the on the on a loosely related theme of AI, uh, which is one of the unintended consequences of computing power and AI becoming more uh, widespread mm-hmm. is that you have a lot of uh, cyber crime and um, you had a situation in which um, the people providing cyber insurance, so insurance to companies that get hacked, for example, um, was were alongside the entire insurance sector last year, a couple of years ago, was heavily, heavily discounted. And so we bought companies like Beasley. Uh, Beasley in particular is the leader in cyber insurance, uh, and even Hiscox, which has a small business in cyber insurance. And so you can tangentially make money out of these sectors when an opportunity intersects with. With with one of these themes, because you know that there's going to be a lot more interest in cyber insurance. So if you're the leader there, and at the moment for some reason the company isn't making much money because it's going through a tough year, you know that over time you're going to have a growing business. So that's that's the way we use these things.
1: Certainly, an, an interesting point to end on, Alessandro. I just want to say thank you very much for your time today.
2: Hey, my pleasure, and uh, thanks again uh, for organizing it.
0: 91 UK Special Situations aims to deliver capital growth by investing in unloved UK companies that the managers believed are undervalued. To learn more about the 91 UK Special Situations Fund, visit fundcaliber.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the Investing on the Go podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. Please remember, we've been discussing individual companies to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these companies at the time of listening. Elite ratings are based on FunCalibre's research methodology and are the opinion of Funcalibur's research team only.